They didn't believe me. What did you tell them? Bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Bunch of lies. With that attitude, I'm amazed they didn't believe you. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 243 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast where Kevin didn't do any uh, wacky goofs with his name. That's true. I looked, at, I looked at Jim expecting him to announce himself a second time, but then you like immediately jumped on uh, the, the date stamp. And I'm Jim. <laughs> there Once we go. Once more, with feeling. <laughs> I'm Jim. Whoa. Whoa. What feeling mm. exactly was that? Oh, that looks like it clipped, unfortunately. That's spooky doot. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how that's gonna affect the rest of the audio quality for this podcast. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'll just I'll just cut out that part. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good idea. You should cut out just my channel and leave the uh, echoes and leave the other it in other people's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, that that'll be ads. spooky. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could or add some spooky reverb. Do uh, is the, is the podcast in stereo? No. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, I it's in are. stereo. It's just not differentiated between left and right channels. I can make this one in stereo. <laughs> it would be pretty spoopy. Yeah, can you afford the bandwidth? If we just slowly drifted... Well, it's not whether we can afford the bandwidth. It's whether our listeners can afford the bandwidth. <laughs> That's an excellent point. <laughs> Wait, why? Because uh, they're downloading it on their telephony devices. But and we, so we they also pay for... We pay, everyone's paying for it on both We're ends. We're not paying for... We're pay- we're totally paying for the bandwidth. It's coming out of the are Patreon. They, money. Are they double dipping? I think they're double dipping. The bandwidth clowns are double dipping. Yeah, it's different clowns, but it's being paid for on both ends. That's oh, garbage. Man. What have you guys been paying for on both ends? Candles. <laughs> Those habanero <laughs> peppers. Oh sure. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad. That was a bad choice. Apparently it's habanero, and only Jeff Foxworthy and me say habanero. That was what one listener proposed. <laughs> Guys, uh, I might be a redneck. Slow news day. Scotch bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought it was habanero. I think yeah, it is. Too. Is it is it jalapeno, or is it jalapeno? I think it is jalapeno with a J, yeah. but it's habanero with a J- H. H and an N, isn't yeah. that? And not an N yet. Yeah. Not That's an weird. N, Mitt Tilda. <laughs> um, is it an Enya or an Enya? Are there who can say dolphins <laughs> involved? <laughs> we went to Seattle this weekend. It's true. We hung out with at Ryan Ike composer. Yeah, that's a he's got to fix that garbage. Had a great time. He's a cool guy. I told him uh, I, had, I had mentioned to him that I that I didn't like flying and that the turbulence made me nervous. And he sent this this text message to to both me and Kevin as we were leaving, which uh, I'll find here. It says, safe trip back, dudes. Remember that turbulence has literally never crashed a plane in the history of flight. Also, I mean, spaceship Earth, am I right? So what is life and death, really, when you think about it? (laughs) (laughs) Do you end it with a little skull emoji? (laughs) Mm. And then a trumpet emoji. And then a doot. Ryan Ike is secretly Mr. Skeletal. <sighs> you guys, Seattle. Yeah. No, Bellevue. Bellevue sucks. It was fine. Mm. I had to walk like a mile to find a bar that was open when that, we got there. That's pretty at, garbage. Al- at 11 o'clock. 
However, when I got to that bar, I did meet some guys who were all, they all worked as like bodyguards for some venue in Seattle. And the one that I struck up a conversation with, I asked him if he'd ever been a bodyguard for anybody famous. Fucking guess who this guy has been a bodyguard for. Oh, oh, Riff, oh, um, Riff one guess. Matthew Lillard? No, that would have been oh. the other good guess. Pauly Shore. Nice. It was the, the other, the other awesome one. They had pictures. So it wasn't just like, he wasn't just like trying to get that cachet that you would get by pretending <laughs> to have met Pauly Shore. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then he gave me a, an extremely vigorous, a geography lesson. Oh, I thought that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you thought it was going somewhere else entirely by slamming coasters onto the bar, being different neighborhoods of Seattle and and oh, okay. the surrounding area, and then just like pounding on each of them with his fist as he told me which neighborhood they represented, and everybody at the bar and I kept exchanging glances about how weird it was. Um, was he drunk at that point? He, yeah, they were all. I mean, everyone was pretty drunk. Let's be honest. Maybe the bartender wasn't. I don't know if the bartender is allowed to drink in Seattle. Is it not like Oregon where they have to uh, sample all of your... They have to pour your... <laughs> they have to pour your drinks your into your mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sucks. Riff, do you have your car in, in Oregon? Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't gotten rid of it. Do you use it? Do you need it? Yeah, I use it occasionally. Uh, my friends Nick and John live in a section of the town that's not really served by, uh, by the... Uh, public transport very well do you do anything else fun with your car like drive it in one of those big cyclodromes <laughs> uh, no is that an option out here <laughs> do, do you ever take your car to one of those like um i don't know trampoline gyms and like watch it bounce <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let somebody else bounce my car skydiving. on a trampoline so i can too. watch take your car indoor skydiving <laughs> 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 um, you drive your car through a haunted house Ooh, <laughs> haunted car wash oh that's a great idea mm. oh because oh, the like the like spinny things could just be ghosts right yeah, yeah. 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 Ooh, we're spraying you with soap ectoplasm yeah. <laughs> uh so <laughs> speaking of which i walked past this laundromat today that i thought offered Wi-Fi soap snacks, but <laughs> what it what it in fact was was three three uh, separate ideas. Yeah, it said oh. free Wi-Fi, free soap, free snacks. <laughs> so I read it as free. Like I didn't see that free free free. But no. free snacks. Yeah, it, yeah. Hmm. I don't know what kind of snacks they are. They might also just be soap. <laughs> um, what was the like around the corner from the office, there was like a Marie Callender's or a Bennigan's or something that had been out of business for 10 years. And it just still had their like happy hour crap painted on the window. But there was some like weird cadence to it. I, I can remember the building that you're talking about, but I do not remember anything that was in the Just office. every time I drove around that corner on the way to the office, I just thought of this weird phrase that was something about like happy hour, let's get together. But it was the way that it was written across multiple windows made it look like weird. This is a fantastic story. <laughs> anyway, Wi-Fi soap snacks. All of them imprisoned. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I remember my friend Chris walking up to me once in high school and saying, have you heard about the wrongful imprisonment of Mr. Church? And I said, no. And he pointed to some people that were holding signs that said free Methodist church. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and then I thought, why are those people just holding a sign with the name of a church on it? Did you ask them? No, I don't want to talk to religious people. They mu- they might have had an answer. Yeah. They've got a lot of answers, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> they might have all the answers, if you think about It'd it. It'd be better if they didn't have an answer. So we uh, demoed... That's what I'm going to choose to believe. West of Loathing in Seattle, in Bellevue. We didn't leave Bellevue the entire time. And Bellevue is like an entire city that's just a downtown of a shitty city, if I may. Red oh, Hot Chili Peppers I've, for a I've minute. heard that <laughs> Seattle has like... A city that's underground that no one lives in because it's all run down. That's not Bellevue. It, I was okay. Yeah, that's what I was gonna. Ask. No, <laughs> Bellevue really, is off to the right. Okay, I, not that. Down. It was like a downtown that burned down, and instead of tearing it down, they decided to just build a roof on it and then build the new downtown on top of it. So you can just go, and it's like a fucking Whoa. like an underground city. Like wh- you can mm. go in there. Yeah, they do oh, tours. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't, we didn't know, get to go. I didn't know that last time I went to Seattle. Well. Let's all go to PAX, and let's just all go on a tour together. All right. Let's just do it. Let's just all go to PAX. Every listener. Yes. That's <laughs> the new listener. Patreon uh, pledge level. Yeah, use some of your Patreon money to go to PAX. I made you say it. Fuck! Jim. Uh, I mean, Gim. <laughs> What'd you do this weekend? Uh, I don't know. Hung around the house. We, we watched a little bit of uh, Mr. Robot. Which I'm not sure if I like it, but it is very interesting. Yeah, is that um, good? Because <laughs> I don't know the the previews I saw of like, it made it seem like ultra made it seem like the TV show version of a guy who uses the word sheeple unironically. <laughs> I, there's a little bit of that. It's it's it comes by it honest though. Like it feels like a real character. Um, I really liked the first episode, and then I've successively liked each episode after that less. Um, mm. But I, one thing that it does that I think is really interesting in terms of storytelling is that um, the the protagonist um, uh, works indirectly for a company called E Corp, which is you know a generic, enormous, terrible corporation. And he says, to, as the narrator, he says that he has trained himself to always hear the name of the company as Evil Corp, uh, which is the only thing we ever hear in the show, which means that we are hearing like every, as he hears. Yeah, we are hearing everything that other characters say and probably seeing as well, because we see the word E Corp on TV as well. Do you see does it see does it visualize as evil? It says corp? evil corp, yeah. Okay. That's, uh, so, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was a really good I, yeah, I device like for conveying narration. Right, for conveying that everything we see is filtered through his perspective. Is the narration unreliable, or is it just a very strong point of view? Well, right, because sure. we're, we're just getting like a, I'm not sure there's a difference between them. Like, it, it, so I don't I actually don't know how unreliable this guy is. He's uh, maybe psychotic. Like the whole show might be a hallucination. Let me, let me back up. If if there is. If we don't ever get the like reveal that there was an ob- objective reality or whatever, you mean the- just like in life? If we don't ever get that, re- like if we don't get to heaven and then Jesus explains to us how it really sure. worked, 
<laughs> but in a work of fiction, if there if there is no pullback to the like objective reality, yeah, uh, is can you have the like is because the, the narration is just all you have, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know that there's such a thing as an unreliable narrator unless there's that reveal or the pullback or whatever. I mean, so you're operating under the assumption that we cannot assume that a company would not name themselves Evil Corp and then be successful? No. Well, the, he, the character says to the viewer that the name is E Corp, but yeah. I always he- I've trained myself to always hear it as Evil Corp. Except for that once. Except for the once, yeah. Right, like the, I, I only speak enough Spanish so, uh, like, that one sentence in a, and this in a, one explaining them. In a sense, uh, that character is is the Jesus you're asking for in that one moment. Right. Um, but is he the Jesus we deserve? I think he might be. Um, there I is told a- you guys about when I w- worked at the flight school and there was the, a flight instructor named Jesus and people would buy his flight students bumper stickers that said Jesus is my co-pilot Jesus take the wheel (laughs) Um, there's a a principle that I forget the name of that I read about on TV tropes I think that every work of fiction is um, is best understood as like a dramatized retelling of, of the actual events Okay. And so, like, you have to filter it, even if it's presented as fully fiction, you have to filter it as, like, this is the docudrama created by people in the world where these events happened, which is why in- there are inconsistencies and weird... Oh, that... Wow. Huh. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, um watched my first Werner Herzog movie. Oh, God, what did you see? Oh, you lost uh, your Herzog virginity. Yes, I, <laughs> my virginity. Right? <laughs> his, 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 his library is quite extensive, so some of them are okay and some of them are really bad. I watched Encounters at the End of the World. I don't know anything about uh, that. What's, it a, what's a good one for reference? Really, really good. What's a good one? Yeah, what's one you like? I don't actually like any of them personally okay i i super enjoyed bad lieutenant port of call new orleans so like that, i've not seen that that is a that is an interesting like that's a super like way different than any of the shit that i've seen yeah. which is like super experimental and awful because not only is it not only is it Werner herzog but it's also insane nick cage yeah. so. okay that's that's a good combo probably okay yeah. uh i really liked it a lot okay it's just about interviewing people who had like chosen to go live in antarctica in, in antarctica yeah okay yeah and it was just crazy people and it seemed like he just asked a lot of leading questions to make them talk even crazier and like okay uh and there was also just a lot of like really beautiful like ice cave footage Can and like anyone sad go scuba live divers. there or how does that you have work? to get a job because it's not it's not like a a sovereign nation it's like controlled land that is jointly operated by some science found it there was some foundation that paid for the documentary to be made also huh it just it had so many like things where it's like okay now i'm just gonna be a dick about this for a second and say something and then just move on like it there's one where a woman's telling a story, and then suddenly Herzog's narration just kicks in over her audio and said, the story went on and on and on. And then they cut <laughs> to the next thing. <laughs> like, just stuff like that. And like I'm saying, wow. like, 
I came here with the understanding that I was not going to make another movie about penguins. In the interest, like I told them that I refused to make a movie about penguins because, like, the they popularity of March of the Penguins is what got them the funding for this. And I he see. just like wanted to make it clear to also to the viewers. And then there's some penguins. Just like fuck you, Herzog. What uh, what was the name of it again? Encounters at the End of the World. Okay, <clears throat> it's really good. I really recommend it. That's cool. Yeah, there's that's like. I'm sure he has done some stuff that's okay. The, like, like his earlier films that I was were my first introduction to him, just gave me such a bad taste for, for what he's all about, that I just I sort of wrote him off. Like, what maybe. ones didn't you like? Uh, so I saw, uh, even even dwarves started small, uh, or something very close to that title. This was like twenty some years ago, uh, and hated it so much that. I couldn't, I just couldn't stomach anything else. Then there's, um, Agira, God of War. Wrath of God. Wrath of God, maybe? Okay. About the guys that wear the armor and try to, like, recreate the, well, they're pulling a boat over a mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Wrath of God. Okay. Yeah. So, like, just a, a bunch of just, like, super intense kind of garbage stories. I don't know. Yeah. Wait, he made Nosferatu. Oh, huh. Okay. No, this must be just something else because that original Nosferatu yeah, was, that was actually really a old, long right? Time ago. Well, but yeah. there was the remake. Okay, so he made a remake of it okay. in the seventies. Oh, then that's not. There's also a remake in the I want to say the nineties. Hmm. Well, anyway, I'm gonna watch every other Herzog film. Yeah. What is his most recent He made Queen work? of the Desert, but not Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh. <laughs> or to Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Uh, ooh, he made a movie about the enigma of Casper Hauser. But not Casper Hauser, the sketch comedy right. from San Francisco. <laughs> he made that movie about the guy that gets eaten by bears. Was it Grizzly Man? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Encounters at the End of the World was 2007. Okay. He's 73 years old. He better make some movies while he still can. Because at 74, they take away your SAG card. <laughs> or your DAG. What's the what's the director's guild? Uh, DGA. Okay. I'm glad we've clicked close, that up. Close to DAG. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the little Indian version of DAG. <laughs> See, I think you're thinking E-N-D-I-A-N, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, Zach didn't even believe me that that was a thing. What does that mean? Oh, a little Indian and big Indian are two ways that computers can represent integers. Which which end of the of the string you start from, basically? Mm. So can can you hear the difference between the words Indian and Indian? Fuck riff. Ten I, little nine little I eight can, little Indian. I could when you said it. <laughs> yeah. No, because I mean that's that's the sound that Kevin can't distinguish. Yeah. So like yeah. I, I. Oh, interesting. Indian. Like that's the same word. Like, I I hear that as the same. Geronimo word. was a really big Indian. Yes. Who represented his numbers big Indian. <laughs> It's right, the okay. same. This is a terrible <laughs> limerick. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> um. Do you guys want to read some listeners' mail? Yeah. Or, you actually, Zach, you you trolled me a second time. 
this week on one of my puzzles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. It's, you know, I just think it's funny. <laughs> uh, Shamu writes, I made a meme for you guys, and then it's a uh, video games hot dog, more like bloat my video games backlog. Uh, okay. I don't even make it a point to play every assignment, and I'm still super far behind. Yeah. Well, I mean, we play video games as part of our jobs. Yeah, it's tax deductible. It is. Yep. Sweet. F writes, any interest in the Far Harbor expansion for Fallout 4? I It's the kind of Fallout expansion that I really like, but I haven't played it yet. I didn't play all the way through the robot one because I got aggravated with the UI for the robot crafting thing, Mm. and I think I needed to go farm some ceramics or some shit that I just didn't want to do. Like, I couldn't get the thing to actually tell me what I was missing in a way that I understood it. So I just didn't get to play the part of the story that involved me making a body for the robot brain woman. I didn't, uh, I didn't even finish the main story in Fallout 4. I mean, I was digging it, but I got distracted by other stuff. Yeah, I'll probably pick it up and play Far Harbor. I intended when the robot thing came out to start a new character and I mm. thought, oh, I'm just going to wander off from the beginning of the map in some direction that I didn't go. And I ran into this thing very early on that was really crazy hard that I couldn't get away from without dying on my quick save. So I just <laughs> gave up. And then I realized that that crazy hard thing was a thing that got added by the expansion. Oh. And so it was like completely out of line with the difficulty of the rest of the region that oh, it was in. Yeah. I don't Although, know if this is gonna, on the on. other hand, I, I, okay, if you couldn't get away from it, that's a, that's definitely a problem. But in World of Warcraft, I always kind of liked like the Sons of Argal being around in the low-level areas mm-hmm. that you had yeah. to get the fuck away from. That you'd get killed every once in a while. But yeah, I just I like couldn't get out of the aggro radius of these robots in this mm-hmm. area, and they just do they when you die what happens in I just game. had been foolish with my saving so I, I just had a quick save that was like in a spot where I it was like well I could try to run for 10 minutes and I just got you know, I was like yeah fuck it I'm just gonna load my old character I'll figure out what to do you don't have it set to like auto quick save indoors or anything like that I had never gone in anywhere oh <laughs> like I okay. just left I left the tutorial and ended up in this situation yeah. Uh, hey, Jake and Crew says Cyber34. I think you mean Zach and Crew. Jeez, what podcast is this? I've heard you mention over the years about how development costs for making games, or uh, no, over the years about development costs for making games, and you always talk about salaries being so high, but I don't think I've ever heard you mention the possibility of using outsourcing. I myself am a Ukrainian software developer, Android dev at the moment, and the average salary for a three-year experienced developer here is around 1500 a month. You can find junior devs for much less. You can go way lower using Chinese or Indian programmers, but generally their code is really bad. Ah, uh, yes, but in what country are they saying the same thing about you? I would feel weird about that, I think. I guess it's... It is an interesting point. I guess it's Pareto superior, right? Like, everyone wins except America. <laughs> and I don't really... I mean... I, as As an employer, it's kind of important to me to give my friends jobs... That like, has always given that I can do that. My take on it also. Yeah. 
Um, there are certain things that I don't feel that way about, I guess. Like, I, that would still be the highest cost, though, even at that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even at that range. Right. Because, I mean, I mean, maybe not. Like, depending on how many, well, you wouldn't have to, like, rent an office, I guess, if you were mm. only outsourcing. But that, then, then that's even more likely to be the highest cost if that's what you're doing. You know what? I mean, the equipment doesn't cost much. The software doesn't cost much. It's just man time is what. What, what Brendan Sheffield did was he made friends with a bunch of people in Poland. So then he was both employing his friends and outsourcing? Yes. Okay. That's exactly what. <laughs> All right. I mean, we've gotten really good deals on people over time by i mean like like riff we didn't have to pay you very much for a really long time because we just let you live in a house that we owned (laughs) in the ukraine in the ukraine (laughs) yeah yeah Um, and i still only work like half hours so it's still a deal yeah it was fine um you know and and the 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 programmer that we're working with for west of loathing is like half time and pretty cheap because he's a He's a AAA programmer, but he, like, moved to a very cheap city and just doesn't have to make that much money. His wife is very, very good. Yeah, He's also you, can, you can also outsource to middle America. Yeah. Um, you know, we're accustomed to working remotely, so that wouldn't be that big of a deal. Something that I don't like is the effect that I have seen the outsourcing of art have on... Mm. On the landscapes of like your congregate caliber of game, where everything just has the same, like everything looks like Korean phone MMO. Yeah, yeah, Korea. That's a perfect way to describe the the, the aesthetic of a Korean phone MMO. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. You know, I mean, is it I, just I think- is it just jingoism that? makes me feel like I have a moral obligation to hire people here. Like I think it it's an like extension it, of wanting to act locally, you know, it would feel like a ev- local economy. It would In- feel like evading taxes. I think. Okay. Interesting. Like if you outsourcing a job like that feels the same to me as saying, Oh, our company is technically a Bermudan company, so we don't have to pay any taxes. Right. Like, yeah, you can do it and you get more money that way. But like if everyone, I mean, it's kind of the like Kant. Yeah. The, my my sort of Kantian approach to ethics, like categorical imperative. Like, do I want to live in a world where everyone makes this decision? And like, no, I clearly don't because everyone I know would be starving to death. Right. Like, unless I moved to the Ukraine. And started outsourcing American programmers. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, Race to the bottom. I mean, it's it's cool, right? It's like, it, it ends up in the same, like... <sighs> is it a problem to pay illegal Mexican immigrants to mow your yard in Phoenix? Like... It's a legal problem, but you're getting your yard mowed cheaply, and they are sending way more money to their families than they would be able to if they were working in Mexico. But for whatever reason, they cannot get naturalized. So that is also a Pareto Superior 
arrangement, except it's super illegal. And is it super illegal because people are racist? Is it super illegal because the higher ups understand that like, well, they're not paying taxes. So they're not paying taxes and they are ultimately using social services just by being here and like getting sick and having to go to the emergency room or whatever. So yeah. Does the government want you to outsource? I don't think that they do. Didn't Obama have a talk with Steve Jobs where he was like, what would it take to get iPhones manufactured in the U.S.? And Steve Jobs said, you would have to make factories so unregulated that we wouldn't have to pay four times as much for them because no one would buy them if we had to pay what it costs to manufacture them in OSHA-compliant factories. Am I reading the right in... in interpreting that as saying the iPhone would cost four times as much to make here. Yeah, that was, yeah, sorry. That was a convoluted sentence, but, no, but I, I think the way you put it was more interesting. Yeah. Nobody would buy it. Well, the specifically that those uh, factories are cheaper because they're unregulated. Yeah. They're cheaper because they're less safe. I yeah. mean, the, well, it's that's not the entire, and also reason. wages, that's not the entire wage, reason, wages but, can be lower, but, but also, that's, yeah, I mean, wages being lower also part of regulation. I mean, it's, it's it's taking advantage of a disparity of sort of economic strength. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, is it one of those things like, you know, when when the property management company asked if I wanted to raise the rent and I said, no, like everybody made fun of me for not raising the rent on the tenants. And, and you know, I said, well, like the $50 a month would cost them more than it would give me like I like it would cause more misery to them than it would cause happiness for me to which Kevin countered well why don't you just change their rent into a negative number that raises their salary to $70,000 a year because that's where money stops making you happy in Arizona and I said okay well shut up (laughs) buddy so I don't know. I mean, is is the same instinct that makes me not want to raise the rent on the tenants in my rental properties the one that makes me feel obligated to hire Americans instead of outsourcing? You you did raise the rent on the tenants that like were jerks though. Yeah, and then they were like, "All right, fuck you, we're moving out." And yeah. I don't know if it's because I raised the rent, but whatever. Yeah, the ones who kept stealing Riff's Christmas presents. Yep. <laughs> Screw those people. Hope you enjoyed that popcorn, you assholes. That'll be a hundred dollars a month. Oh, you don't want to pay it? Okay, goodbye. I don't. I never met them. I don't know if they're assholes. I didn't. Also, I also never met them. But I like impl- implored with them to return the packages that they took that were not theirs. We kept getting mail at our old office, and they just kept them. Who knows what kind of fucked up anime they're reading? <laughs> I mean, manga. I mean, yeah. If you can read it, it's definitely fucked up. It's <laughs> Pulling the pulling the ribbons out of the v, out of the uh, VCR tapes. I don't even know what VHS. That's what it was. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Do you still have any VHS tapes, Kevin? I probably own some. I if, I have a storage unit that I haven't looked at in almost ten years. Probably nice. I've got one, and it's the. Uh, it's Penn and Teller Get Killed. Oh, nice. I couldn't find it on DVD. 
And I, at the time where I was living, I had a VCR. I have a grocery, like a Trader Joe's bag of VHS tapes in my garage. Uh, they're probably doing real like, well in the heat. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm sure that they're in great shape. Vernacio writes, recently there have been talks of Nintendo possibly getting into the movie business, as well as the Assassin's Creed and Warcraft movies coming soon. What do you think of video game movies? Do you think they missed the point of the nonlinear nature of the video games they're based on? I don't think that's why they're bad frequently. <laughs> yeah. um, like Run, Lola, Run. Run, Lola, Run fine. is like a great video game movie. It's yeah. not based on a video game. It's well, it just kind of a is, movie yeah. in the aesthetic of a video game. Wreck-It Ralph was good. Yeah. Um... What's the other... I feel like we had another real... Like a, a movie example. I mean, Source Code was a lot like a video game. Yeah. Oh, also... Uh, what you just talked about this... Like an hour ago. Uh, a movie? To, tomorrow. Oh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, I haven't um, seen it. That one's pretty, that one's pretty good. <clears throat> and there, there is a very video game. There have been a number of movies recently that are of... That depict someone trying the same situation over and over again. Yep. Um, that's almost certainly inspired by video games. Or just Groundhog Day. Sure. I don't know if Groundhog Day was inspired by video games. I don't think it was. Maybe like The Last Express. I think uh, <laughs> Harold Ramis just was a huge fan of The Last Express. And like, I want to make this a movie, but we don't have enough shitty dithered wood <laughs> i'm sorry the timeline doesn't match up yeah. dither wood is a pretty good npc name <laughs> yeah shit dither wood um have there been can you think of any good movies that are just just like ip yeah like any based? movies that were based on video games that actually the movie turned out to be good hmm i don't remember i haven't seen any of the modern ones i've been hearing that the new warcraft the movie is bad I, I'm going to see it anyway. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah. So I'm going to see Little Baby Thrall. Little cute little baby Thrall. Because there's obviously a, a shit ton of movies based on comic books, but that's just like basing a movie on a book, more yeah, or less. That's just making a movie out of a pre made storyboard. Yeah. I mean, a movie is never going to be good in the way that. 60 hours of Skyrim are gonna be good you know but you wouldn't watch that <laughs> like somebody, a book there's probably that, a let's play of Skyrim that's right. like 60 hours and somebody but probably has watched it right so. a book that was like then John went into another cave right he turned left there was a treasure chest he opened it. It contained four gold and a tooth. Next to the treasure chest was an urn. He opened it. It contained one gold and a tooth. <laughs> Next to that urn was another urn. He opened it, but it was empty. Oh, shit. Plot twist. Uh, I mean... that Yeah, that's more short film material. <laughs> uh, F writes, what's the new cat's name? Uh, the new cat's name is Phineas. Uh, I've not seen it yet, but there's something like, uh, Harry, fast action Harry or something. Uh, hardcore uh, Harry. Hardcore Harry. Henry. Uh, Henry. So something. that. Hard hat Harry. Yeah. That no. is, uh, very much based on a video game culture, very video game idea. Yeah. It's all first person. It's basically nothing but action. Yeah. It's supposed to be terrible. I'm super curious about it though. Yeah. 
It's supposed to be terrible, really? That's what I heard. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. F writes also, Zach's experience with Overwatch makes me very sad. I'm not sure what it is, but for me, it's scratched an itch that's been festering for many years. There are quite a few hot doggers that are going to be playing the game, and we'd be happy to play with you on a team to beat it into your skull why it's fun. You know, I bought it, and I keep going back to it, and then I keep just alt-f-4-ing after the tenth time in a row that, like, all right, I've respawned, I run into where people are, I'm dead. Just, like, some sniper somewhere just killed me in one shot. Like... I need to Are you get... playing the character that's got the giant head giant and one head? Yeah. <laughs> with like yeah, a going to the options turn off with big head mode. Bullet magnet yeah. upgrade. Yeah. I like when it says putting you in a game with people of your skill level, I think no you're not. <laughs> I don't think that there are enough people that are as bad it's, it's one of as those me. Joke as loading screen things like in the Sims. I don't think I'm going to be able to play this game while it's in its like infancy and still fun while people are still figuring this stuff out. Oh, I, I think it's already not. I mean, I, like, oh really? It's, yeah. Well, why don't you think that? Uh, because I'm not going to have a computer strong enough to oh, play your it. Computer won't run it. Um, I mean, everything about it is really nice. It's like really crunchy and like it's fun. Like I would have so much fun playing this game, like being a first-person shooter guy with these abilities, just not playing against people who are a million times better than me. Do they not have like a single player? They have a versus AI, but it's just all the same characters. It's not like a, like I really, really enjoyed the like machine versus man or whatever thing in team fortress two, where there were just like waves of robots that would come in. It was like, I, I don't know. It's overwatch gives you a lot of advice when you get killed. It's like, you know, you shouldn't have let, Serena used this whatever whatever power against you. And I'm like, okay, I, apparently that was what happened that time, or that's what think happened to me. That's what it thinks happened to me. It's like, you know, if you if you're already engaged with the enemy, don't go into sentry mode. Yeah, I assure you, I did not mean to hit that button at that time. What is I, sentry mode? Oh, there's one. There's this character called Bastion who is a robot who can shift, like basically become a turret. Okay. Um, but does somebody else have to fire him? No, he, he fires. He fires himself. Okay. But you can't move in okay. that mode, and it takes like a second to get into it. And you know, every once in a while, like I can get myself positioned where there's a melee going on somewhere else and kill four or five dudes before anyone sees me. But it's just, it's just like every other PvP game in the world. The instant anyone sees me, I am dead in one shot, no matter what. And I just don't. Even watching the replays of them killing me, I have no fucking idea how they are able to, like, be that good at moving a mouse onto a single pixel that is the place where it has to be to headshot you that fast. I mean, it just must be everyone is just 15 years old. But, like, F is old and he's good at it, so whatever. It's also possible that F is just a lot more tolerant of dying instantly ten times in a row. Can we? But I just don't understand how you're ever going to get any better at the game. Like can we that. play with just a, a like both sides, a select group of people? Like, I don't you know, could, how does... yeah, yeah, and, and I think that would probably be fun. I mean, I, like I would still lose, but at least the people who killed me would say this is why this happened. Yeah, like because we did that with Team Fortress Two, and it was it was a lot yeah, of fun. it was fun. I mean, it sucked for the first hour. I mean, it was just really demoralizing for an hour. But then, like I, you know, I don't know, just learn to not care it, it mm, man 
I don't know. It's just, it's an aggravating experience to just like, all right, well, I have no idea what to learn from that. Like, don't go where, don't ever go anywhere where any enemy can see you is what you learn. Can right? you just be invisible? No, I don't think there are any invisible guys. I think that would be unfair. Is fairness really important? Because if, if you're not having fun, can the game really be any fun? <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Have you been playing any video games? I have played a couple of video games. I've continued to play some Hearthstone. Uh, I'm not very good at it. I got up to rank uh, 19 and then immediately lost all of my rank. <laughs> uh, what else have I played? I played a couple of games at the Power of Play conference that we went to in Seattle. I played one called Inverses. Oh, yeah, I played some of that, too. Which is pretty really fun. Real good. Uh, you are a, uh, it's like a, it's a two V two, one V one or two V two game. Uh, and I guess there's also some single player stuff. But yeah, I there's an arcade that. mode. Um, and the way that it works is you are either black or white. Your, your like character is either black or white and you can only move on, uh, the opposite color. And it's like a, a sort of a grid style board with some like, uh, objects in the, in the middle that you can't, um, the adjust. granularity of the grid is the same as you, the it's width of your, your character, character basically. Yeah. You're a little bit smaller than one of the the squares on the chessboard, sort of. When you shoot, uh, if you shoot over the opponent's color or the, the the tiles that are the same color as you, it changes that those tiles to your color, so you can then walk on those tiles. And they can't. So and you're sort of like digging into their territory with your bullets. Hmm. Yeah, you have. Sounds like Splatoon. Maybe. Yeah, I've not played Splatoon. Um, you have five bullets uh, that recharge very slowly. So you have to be a little careful about where and when you shoot. Uh, and you can charge up your gun and shoot three bullets in three lanes uh, in a direction. So that can to create... dig out a bigger hallway. Yeah. Because or... you can shoot a hallway for you to go down, but then you're in a lot of danger if they go around to the end of it and shoot down it because you have nowhere to go. Potentially, yeah. It's 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 tricky to describe, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's really, it's really very good. clever. It's it's like it's mentally inter- interesting and also sort of a Twitch game all at the same time. <clears throat> the arcade mode was super fun too. It was kind of Geometry Warsy. Like you've got all these enemies that spawn in and they start like claiming territory that you then can't walk on unless you shoot through them. Right. But you get a ton of power ups that like give you more bullets or faster bullets, and yeah. it's really good. Uh, and then there's a game that I cannot remember for the life of me, cannot remember the name of that was a platformer where you, uh, would collect like green juice from bottles, uh, which would fill up a meter. I see ecto cooler. Yes. Uh, and that, that would, um, allow you to then have limited flight capabilities. You, so you had like a double jump. And if you double jumped while you had some of this like juice power, you could sort of move freely in the air uh and it like the graphics were pretty cool and like it seemed like it was potentially going to be a bunch of fun and i just could not play it because the just walking around controls were so bad for me at least uh that it was practically unplayable you couldn't you couldn't move forward like a couple of pixels you if you move forward it like moved like a huge chunk of of space so you like were constantly falling off of ledges and and just the precision was in- incredibly frustrating uh, to try to uh, to achieve, and so I just stopped playing it. 
because of that. Um, this whole time you're talking, Zach has been trying to figure out the name of the game. Yeah, like it's, yeah, we couldn't find it on this sheet before, and I was hoping that maybe you just missed it and I was going to see it. It's like the name, I believe it is a woman's name, and that woman is like some mythological figure. Yeah, because it talks about going in, down into Hades and stuff. Persephone? So it's, it's definitely... It's definitely based on some kind of myth like that, but I don't know what mm. the... I, I thought it was like a, a word colon subtitle, but I don't remember what that mm. was. Uh, it's possible that it just it wasn't one of the featured games and somebody just sh- was showing it anyway. Or, or, that it, or they didn't send them the, the, the marketing description or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... I've just been playing a handful of, of iOS games that I have talked about in the past. Cryptic crosswords and whatnot. What about you, Riff? Uh, not really any video games, but I was introduced to a new concept in uh, Lego this uh, last night, actually. Um, guy that we know from podcasts, uh, Ryan Veter. Um posted a picture on Twitter recently of he put together, you know, those, uh, those little Lego kits, they're called Mixels. They're like little, like monsters around 60 pieces per kit. And then but, they like combine three of them combine into a bigger one. Or yeah. Something. If you get all three of them, you can make a bigger guy. But, uh, the important part is that all the pieces are in the same bag and it's a relatively heavy duty bag. So it's possible to build the model in the bag without tearing the bag and oh, whoa. and time yourself doing it. <laughs> so it's like Lego wow. challenge mode. It's it's kind of really interesting. Do you have to buy it again if you want to try again? Uh well yeah, you well no, I guess not. I guess you could, could you could disassemble apart. it. Yeah. Disassemble that, it in the that bag. That might be yeah. that would probably be more difficult because you couldn't get you couldn't get the thumbnail into yeah. There's that tool that there's the Lego tool for removing stuff that might yeah, work but, through well, the bag. Maybe. Yeah, maybe if there was a tool inside the bag. Yeah, if there was one already in the bag, that would work. Oh wait, is are you can see through it? So you're doing it without like, even oh, opening yeah, the bag? No, the the oh. yeah the there's. They're sold in like a really heavy duty sort of bag with the printing of the figure on it. But when you open that, inside that is an instruction book and another clear bag that has all the pieces. Oh, in it. okay. So this is like building a ship in a bottle. Yeah, kinda. <clears throat> Except it's building like a weird little Lovecraft monster or whatever yeah. that Lego says. Huh. Now I kind of want to do that. Yeah, yeah I, now I feel bad because I, I have two of those little Mixel things, but I just built them like a normal person. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Did I put those in your stocking? I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah but that's that's pretty much it for me. It's always, it's just been uh, Dark, Souls. Dark, Dark Souls 3 and Pokemon, other than that. I played a couple games, but I have to pee. So maybe okay. Jim should go. <laughs> sure, I'll talk. I played a couple games and I must scream. 
<laughs> oh man, did you did you retweet that? I did. Oh, yeah. you, Kevin, yeah. yeah, I did. Too. I have no mouth and I must scream. You have no mouth and you must scream. We all have no mouths and we must scream for ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that's good. Good, good joke. Who was that originally? I have I no know. idea. Mm. Anonymous, interesting Twitter. I've been playing a game called uh, 10 Second Space Missions. Okay. Which is... I'm already intrigued. A, it's a shmup. Oh, must be. Yeah, intrigued. sorry. <laughs> it's a shmup where every level is... The goal is to survive for 10 seconds, and secondary goal is to score certain thresholds of points. Are you going to the bathroom too now? No, I'm just moving around. <laughs> okay. Um... And it's conceptually really neat. Um, in practice, I've been really frustrated by the controls, and I could try breaking down why, but, like, what's important is that they didn't just, you know, do... Like, the shmup control on the touchscreen is a solved problem. And what is the solution? Uh, the, in Well, I could break that down, too, but... The solution is to download Doranpachi or any of the arcade ports and just do exactly what they do. Uh, but what they do is, is approximately, um, you put your finger down and, um, whatever direction you move, the ship moves a proportional amount. Mm-hmm. So it's not just direct movement, it's... Right. The- what this game does is it basically moves the ship to wherever your finger is, plus, like, a little Y offset. Um, okay. Which is really, it, I mean, and again, like I, I could break down why I think that feels bad, but it, it just, it's not, that's not as important as it feels bad to me. Um, and in general, this game feels like it's a shmup made by people who don't really like shmups. They don't know what, and so like, I'm not sure what the audience is because if the idea was like, I mean, it, it seems like it's. It's more intended for like the uh, for a general audience, like maybe people who played Galaga and liked that. But it's the the reason those people aren't still playing these games is that they are too difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, they're too intense. Um, and this game is just as intense. It's just got a bunch of um, of usability issues from the perspective of people who are shmup fluent. So. I was frustrated by that. I don't know if shmup fluent. Yeah, I liked that too. <laughs> yeah. Um I I was frustrated by that. I don't know if the developer cares or would care rather. Um and I uh I also I got into the Pokemon Go beta. Oh, you lucky today. bastard. <laughs> is this the one that's like Pokemon out in the world? It's made by Niantic or Nyan yeah, Cat. Did, uh, um, what's it called? Uh, in- Ingress. Ingress. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to figure out like how am I allowed to talk about this? But I I found an article on GameSpot that just says everything that I would have said anyway. So this stuff is public. Um. My experience with this was there's this really terrible uh, onboarding process where you have to log in multiple times, and okay. probably some of this is ameliorated by uh, it being in beta, right? Or or other will be once it's not in beta. Um, 
And once I was in there, you know, you're walking around the world and you, it, it's well, actually wait, so very like, much like Ingress. So, but in Ingress, you're like, you're walking around in the real world. Yeah. And there's like stuff on the map. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's what this is. So you're walking around in this world. In, like in it, it doesn't, the real world. It, it feels, it doesn't feel like the real world because they, they paint grass everywhere and there's no grass where I'm walking. Okay. Wait, do you have like a, like an AR thing? Are you like looking through? Uh, it's, it's, it's like a Google Maps overlay almost. Um, but are, are you walking around out in the real world? Sorry. sorry uh, yes. Okay. Sorry. That was unclear. Uh, yeah. They, it's using GPS information to put your character in a world that has the same street layout as the world you are in. Okay. Um, and you will come across, and this is the same as in Ingress, you come across like art installations yeah. that, you, that you get resources from. Um, you will come across Pokemon that are just out in the wild. And when you do that, there's this mini game where it, it becomes uh, the other kind of AR where it's using your camera to... It composites the pic- a picture of the Pokemon on top of what's coming in through your phone camera. Okay. And then you're supposed to flick a Pokeball at it. So there's a Pokeball at the bottom of the screen, and you flick it towards the Pokemon, and if you hit it, then there's a chance that it gets captured. You don't actually fight it in that in in the in when you're capturing Pokemon in the wild, which is kind of weird. Um, and then the equivalent of portals from Ingress are uh, you run across gyms and uncaptured gyms you just drag one of your pokemon onto it and say okay buddy you're guarding this thing and then can you actually describe for my elucidation as well as the listeners how ingress worked uh I'm not sure what you mean. You mean like what you did moment to moment? Yeah. Like I, I pretend that I know nothing about ingress other yeah. than like this was a thing that made people tell you you should buy an Android phone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically what I'm describing. Like you walk around in the world, in the real world, you have a, uh, in the, in this, in the case of ingress, you don't really have an avatar so much as a cursor on the map. Um, you come up to portals, which are placed by humans the portals are, uh, they map to, um, like real, real world art, art pieces. Like you, there's a sculpture on this side, on the corner mm-hmm. on the sidewalk here, or like someone painted like a statue this statue in a park or something. Yeah. Or someone painted this, uh, transformer box or like it's a unique storefront. Um, and those are hand, uh, created by humans. Um, by players or the, the, by players GMs. and then vetted by the, the people at Niantic. Um, and you walk up to those, and then you can hack the portal for resources um, or uh, engage in a, a simple form of combat with it if it's an enemy portal and try to capture it. And What does that combat play out like? Like a, like a JRPG-style turn-based battle or like a... So uh, it's, it's mostly spending resources, but you can spend them by, better by like... If you, so, okay, how does this work? Uh, a portal is usually guarded by resonators, I think is the term. I don't, I haven't played it in like a couple of years, so I might be misremembering. It's guarded by, uh, a certain number of, um, guardians. 
Uh, and you need to destroy all of those in order to capture the portal. Uh, and you can push a button to perform an attack, which is, uh, centered around where you are in the world. So to best, uh, most effectively attack each of these, uh, resonators, you have to walk up to it. Um, and how far away are they from the gate? It varies. To- it depends on how well uh, set up the portal is. Like that, when you are when you're capturing a portal and you're setting up the defenses, that's the sort of thing you can um, you can optimize. But like you you might have to if you want to, they might they might be like a hundred feet apart. Oh, okay. So you're not like you're not like having to hike around a mountain or something. Like right. Right. Just- right. Yeah. Um, and once you uh, have a number of portals in a certain vicinity, you can um, then set up, um, you can make a connection from one portal you have to another portal you've been to. Um, and if you create a, uh, a triangle, then that, that the, the area within that triangle becomes your team's territory. Huh. Is that how Ingress worked? I have, I have, since you asked about Ingress, that's what I've been describing. Oh, oh, oh. okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and part of that is because, like, when you asked about Ingress, that was just about when I, I had exhausted my knowledge of Pokemon Go. Okay. <laughs> like, I didn't actually engage in any gym battles, but I presume, like, you, once you beat the Pokemon Aren't that's all there. your battles, gym battles? I. <laughs> they would be Jim Jim battles in this case. Okay. Um, but I presume that when you beat the Pokemon that's been left there, then you can take it over and maybe there's a similar sort of territory capture thing. I don't know. It, it seemed really like, and th- this is weird because it's, it's in a beta, which is, a, you know, that's, that's going to affect the quality of a product. Um, but there were a lot of weird, like, responsiveness glitches and UI glitches that didn't feel like you needed uh, MMO-style beta to fix. Um, like, it should have just worked. Like, yeah. they they weren't a result of there being a bunch of people playing it. They were just a result of it feeling bad. Yeah. Um, there was one time where I was, like, trying to capture a Pokemon and my... Pokeball just kind of like when I when I flicked it, it kind of just froze in midair, and then that like I had to close the program. It did it didn't freeze the game. The 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 it was almost like just the physics model froze. And when you're yeah, in the middle, that's of, that particular Pokemon special defense. Oh, that must be it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can't like back out of an encounter when you're in the middle of a throw. So. I had to like reset the game in order to keep playing. Huh, weird. But yeah, that was uh something that something to do while I was, you know, walking here for the podcast. It was And there was I mean, did, does it randomly create stuff out in the world if no players have done stuff? I I'm not sure what I'm not sure how it works. Like I all the the equivalents of the um the portals that I saw or Sorry, that's that's confusing. I, I saw a bunch of things that had authored information on it. Okay. 
like and maybe they're maybe they're just reusing their old data their old portal data for that i don't know if they're allowed to do that given that i think that stuff is owned by google um oh does google own ingress uh it was start- niantic was a lab started within google oh, and they i think they I spun off i sp- i think it might yeah. have been in the alphabet restructuring actually i, I think that's right yeah um I, I liked Ingress as a way to, as an excuse to walk a lot, mm-hmm. way more than I liked it as a game. It was kind of a direct ripoff of Shadow Cities or whatever that was called. Oh, oh yeah. I, I wasn't aware of that. The one that our friend Jason at Blizzard got us playing. Yeah. But we lived in a place where... We had chosen the wrong faction or whatever. Yeah, we picked the wrong team, and we are like everywhere that we ever spent any time was so just overwhelmingly dominated by the other people. That, oh wow! Yeah. yeah, I always wanted to make a game that was a non-competitive version of that, where you were basically just like adventuring out in the world, and you could turn on your phone, and if you like using Google Maps metadata, if you were near a cemetery, you could fight a skeleton, and if you were like <laughs> yeah. near a school, you could fight a child. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that they that they use that sort of information to determine what sort of Pokemon you see out in the wild. So like, yeah, if you're actually I'm- near a pond or a park fountain you'll see a water type guy and that's so a good on. idea i don't know what they were doing yeah do they is it going to be available on ios i presume so i think ingress was yeah I eventually kind of eventually it, it was be, yeah because yeah. i feel like i'm now i am curious what happens if you spoof your gps location all right, now app. that you've learned to do that, now that I've learned yeah, that's, how to that's, do that. that's totally something you can do if you put your Android into debugging mode. I, I think, like, I, I I know that you, I've been warned against doing that in Ingress without, like, with not not, and I wasn't even like saying I was going to do it. I just like the Ingress community is active in telling its players not to do this. Really? Like, I think they police it pretty strictly. Huh? Do they like? They track where you've been, and if you move faster than is possible, they... Maybe. I know they have, um, in Ingress, they have, uh, they detect whether you're going fast enough that you're probably in a car, and if you are, then you can't interact with anything because they don't want you to play while driving. Okay. That it? Yep. I, um... <clears throat> I did one thing that that I that I uh, this was not me playing a game, but I bought. Uh, uh, Amelia made a Steam account, or she activated her Steam account so that she could vote for our oh. night, which was very, very nice of her. Um, but I bought her. Uh, no, I just actually what I did was I bought her the Witness because she wanted to play the Witness, oh. and then gifted it to her, and she activated the gift, and then we realized it won't run on a fucking Mac. Oh. There is no Mac version of the Witness, right? Which I like. That sucks. <laughs> there will eventually be one. There will eventually be. I mean, sure. but there, I've seen screenshots of it running on iOS yeah. or on macOS. But. Yeah, no, but it just sucks. that. And it's like I understand every step of the process that allowed me to do that because it didn't know what. Is, can she not play your copy of it? Oh, she could, yeah. I mean, just start a new save now that I know that you can make a new save. But she'd have to do it on my computer, so... so. There's well, also but like you the, can do it on the streaming. Oh yeah, that's true. I don't know what determines whether that works or not. 
It might just be whether Steam is running. Sometimes I turn Steam off because I get tired of a billion notifications when I'm trying to work, reminding me that I should be playing video games because we're all going to die soon. (laughs) Um, But uh, I was like, well, you know what? You should buy Plants vs. Zombies. You would really like oh. Plants vs. Zombies. And watching her play through the oh, she never played Plants vs. No, Zombies. she never played it. Holy shit. Watching, she was like, oh, this is good for the same reason that Peggle was good. Like, because she just really liked Peggle and like 100%ed it like years ago. And watching her play through the tutorial of Plants vs. Zombies just gave me a renewed just awe at the design of the tutorial for that game. Yeah. The, uh, George Fan, I think, had a, uh, uh, GDC, GDC talk. talk about yeah. that. I was, I, I was present in yeah, person. Yeah, so was yeah. I. It's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. It teaches you, like, like just watching someone figure, oh, oh, so these flowers should be like on the back row. Oh, and these guns should be like as far back as possible. Oh, and these walnuts should be as far forward as possible, but like without ever failing. Right. right? Like it teaches you these things. It has the exact level of tolerance for, like, making random moves. You will still be able to win because of what you will learn by making random moves. It is fucking amazing. It is such a good game. Plants vs. Zombie 2 is still a fucking great game. Like, so, so good. I, so, I bought... Plants vs. Zombies 2 on... Well, no. I just downloaded Plants vs. Zombies 2 on my iPad mm-hmm. and deliberately logged out of Game Center so it wouldn't put me in the weird, mixed-up, old version, new version space that I was in and just decided to play Plants vs. Zombies 2 like from the beginning on the iPad to see what it's like now. And then I just put it down and forgot about it. I just forgot mm-hmm. that I was doing that. That's too bad. Well, because I took the iPad to work, right? Like, right. It's, it's what we demo West of Worthing on. So, it's, like, a lot of the time I just leave it at the office, and then it's not there tempting me to play Hearthstone all the time. Maybe I can get it on the Amazon Fire tablet. Our our buddy Teddy, who... I realized that because he was, like, played KOL forever, and I met him at a, one of the very early KOL meetups. I've known him since he was 15, and he's now, like, an engineer at Amazon. So, I was talking to him about some of the stuff that didn't work in the Kindle app. And I was like, what is the cheapest thing that will run this? And and so I just bought like a $50 fire tablet, which is a really just like holding it and messing with it. It is a remarkable piece of hardware for $50. Like, I don't know if they're just like subsidizing it because they, they're, it's a loss leader for, or if it's just like, uh, we understand that these are basically trash. So we're just trying to get people to pay for stuff that we've stopped manufacturing because it was a failure or it was just the fire phone. That was a failure. I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah. No idea. But it's like, this is a pretty, it's a color, full color yeah. screen. Yep. It's like seven inch screen. It's like, like $50. $50. Weird. Yeah. Like, it's nuts. Anyway. Uh, I played two games, one of which I bought just because it was Steam featured, which is a good lesson. Uh, but it has a terrible name. The name of it is Layers of Fear. <laughs> L-A-Y-E-R-S of fear. And it is... Gameplay-wise, it is about the complexity and fidelity of Gone Home. It's like a Unity game. I think it has a lot of 
at this point, in a way that Gone Home did not have, because this didn't exist then, it has a lot of, like, just App Store assets in it. But it is a horror game where you are this artist and you are just walking around in an empty kind of Victorian-y mansion trying to finish your masterpiece. And it's basically keeps sending you on these vignettes. Like, it's... If you made a game that was just a cross between Gone Home and NeverEnding Nightmares, you would end up with this exact game. It's the exact same kind of thing, where it's like, sometimes these hallways are just infinite loops and nothing happens until you turn around. Uh, there's a few jump scares. There's a lot of, like, environmentally spooky stuff, but it wasn't, like, scary scary. It was just sort of... I don't know. It's just spooky. But it was really fun. It was like maybe three hours and cost like 12 bucks and I was really glad to finish it I don't think that I'm going to try and like 100% it there's all these like things you can find in random drawers like every drawer opens but almost none of them have anything in them so eventually I just sort of stopped right um, not even a gold and a tooth no <laughs> one gold and four gold and one tooth no you don't find any teeth I don't think I mean I'm sure there's that would be appropriate for a horror game Yeah, but it's pretty good. You just you just find a lot of like notes, like letters from doctors and notes from your wife and stuff, and like just like, it's like pieces together all of these like sort of tragedies that befell the narrator, and then these atrocities that the narrator committed, or did he? Unreliable. Yeah, it is unreliable. <laughs> but it's cool. It is cool that like it's really designed to not. It evokes a sort of a labyrinthine haunted house in the way that amnesia was one but it's impossible to waste a bunch of time being lost because <laughs> really it's just a hallway right although there were definitely some things that anti-chamber had some hallways that were just hallways yeah, yeah. quote unquote just hallways <clears throat> yeah. Zach, your description of this game makes me wish anti-chamber was a horror game oh jesus Ooh. that would be Wow, so uh, bad. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm already like, ugh. I mean, Antichamber's fundamental puzzle mechanic wouldn't really work in was, a non What if it was ghosts? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, like, not even thinking about just the puzzle the, aspects just of, of the puzzles. Chamber, just the just get the rid of the puzzles and just add the confusing navigation. I mean, yes. this is a lot like. I mean, the Stanley Parable did a lot of this too, right? Sure. Where it's like, yeah, and that was a horror oh, game, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, this is just going to keep being the same thing if you keep going left. There, there is a really neat section of this where there is like, I, I bet I I never played this, but I bet that a lot of the listeners are thinking of uh, PT. Mm. Oh yeah, I never played PT either. There's, there's a section where you're in a, you're in just a loop of, a loop of hallway, just like it's a, just, you keep turning left. But if you go counterclockwise, time is moving backwards. And if you go clockwise, time is moving forward. And Ooh. so, like, you, like, these things will happen and you'll see, like, a phone being thrown off of a table. And then if you walk back the other way, it, like, leaps back up onto the table and you have to, like, huh. sort of, you know, rewind past the beginning of when you got there to see the thing that might, like, there's some, like, minor puzzle things like that that are just like, oh, I had to figure this out. But there's nothing, like, hard. It never blocks you. Like, it just wants you to see the next thing. It was, like, a much more compressed version of the experience of the park, that Funcom game that I played a few weeks ago. Um, 
there's much less environment and it's a much more directed experience. The VO is fucking terrible. It's another game that just like, this would have been so much cheaper and so much better if you just did not have VO. Like, except the, the like diegetic voiceover, fine, whatever, but the narration is just god awful. Hmm. Um, the art's really good. It just, it's, I really, really enjoyed it a lot. I really highly recommend it. And it's like, I never would have heard of this game. I don't think if it hadn't just popped up. Hey, you want to buy this? It's on sale on Steam. I don't know if the developers made anything else. I didn't recognize the name. Um, played a little bit more Doom. Still pretty fun. And a ton of Imbroglio, which is Michael Bro's new game. Um, it's on the telephone now. I think it is only on iOS. Uh, I can vouch for it not being on Android. Have any of you guys played it? Yeah. I've seen a lot of people playing it, but I've not played it. It is... It is a weird game. <laughs> I, I love that he is continuing to try to make uh, a smaller and smaller grid interesting. <laughs> it is. Uh, four by four grid. Yeah, right, because yeah. eight six eight was six by six, or seven by seven, maybe. Right. So this you're on a you are on a four by four grid. Every move is just move up, down, left, right, or attack in a direction. If there's an enemy in that direction, enemies move when you move. It's like classic rogue thing. <laughs> there are walls in between. So like sometimes it generates a maze. It generates a number of walls constraining the space. You have two kinds of hit points. Basically, you have, like, hearts on one side and diamonds on the other side. Some monsters, when they hit you, take away a heart. Some monsters, when they hit you, take away a diamond. If you run out of either one, you die. The squares of the maze that you are on have weapons on them. And those weapons have arbitrarily complicated interactions with things. So some of them, like the simplest one is like, this is just a club and it every does time one you kill a monster, like, like you move towards a monster while you're standing on this club, it will do one heart of damage, right? So there are some things, there's some of the monsters, there are four places on the maze where monsters can come into existence and they, they come in from the four corners and the same monster always comes in from the same corner. So you know that if, if you see a monster spawning to the upper left of the maze, you know that the next turn he will appear there and he will have four hearts and one diamond. So the, the, the wimpiest diamond weapon in the game will take him out in one shot, but he's going to do a lot of damage to you before you can take out those four hearts, unless you have a crazy powerful weapon. The weapons level up and gain new abilities as they level up based on whether you kill things with them. So the, the square that you're standing in levels up as you kill stuff standing on that square. So training monsters around to where you want to be powering up the weapons is a huge part of the strategy. Your goal is just to collect these stars and a star appears on a random space in the maze. When you hit it, it it heals one of your hearts and one of your diamonds and then reconfigures the walls of the maze randomly. So getting the star like changes the layout of the maze and changes this strategic and sometimes like, Oh, well I'm stuck in this long hallway with only one kind of weapon in it. And I'm never going to get out. Like you get a default set of weapons for each like sort of character that you can play as the characters have some abilities too, but those are pretty minor. 
once you get a certain score with each character, you gain the ability to customize the layout of the weapons on the floor, which multiplies the complexity of the gameplay like a billion fold in a way that's just crazy and like would be really intimidating if not for this feature where you can look at the leaderboard and if you click on somebody's row in the leaderboard it shows you the layout that they used to get that score and just there's a button that's just like copy this to my board for this guy so then it's like well i have all the advantages that that guy had why did i get a tenth of his score (laughs) is what you ask yourself at that point and it's neat because, like, I've already just in, like, a, a couple days of looking at this scene, like, sort of fads in the, like, somebody will figure out a new layout and get a high score, and then the next, like, five people below that will all be using the same one. But then below that was the one that was really good yesterday. Like, ah, man, this is a neat, this is a neat game. Diego Catalifold is playing it and pretty high up on the leaderboards all the time. Kevin, you got to get it. Yeah, I know. I just haven't had time. I'm really curious. Because, like, you got... You got pretty good at 868 hack, right? Like... Uh, I guess. You didn't... I, I didn't, you, I didn't you, get into it super, super You didn't super go super heavily. deep. But, like... Yeah. Yeah. The art for this game is not the typical, like, glitch... Aesthetic. Michael Bro aesthetic, either. I don't think that that aesthetic would work on this, because you have to be able to see a lot of detail about what's on the board. It's 16 squares, and then each of those squares is a picture of a weapon, a little emblem that's how much and what kind of damage the weapon does, and then a 16-space track for its experience. So uh-huh. once it once it caps out at the 16th experience point, you don't, it doesn't get any more powerful? No, it doesn't. So you could have a... You, like, there is a way... You, you could, could, yeah, you can max out the board, and then it's just... Like, every move you make increases the... Or decreases the timer at which enemies spawn. Right? So they... Like, it, it's like 868 hack in that, like, it keeps spawning in random enemies faster and faster. And it really ramps up once you start getting close to the, like, bottom end of the game center leaderboard. Like... Like, you really have to have spent a lot of time thinking about what to level up on your board to deal with the density that you start to get. Um, And different weapons have different sorts of levels of complexity of what happens to them when you level them up. Some of them are really simple and they just like do more damage as they level up. Some of them start to do things like if you kill an enemy with this, it will curse another enemy and then enemies being cursed are vulnerable to different kinds of weapons or like, like this, this will do damage if a cursed enemy walks over top of it or, like, there's just a bunch of things, and you unlock new weapons over time by unlocking new characters. Like, you can look at some runs on the board, and they just are using weapons that I don't have. They're, like, grayed out. Um, yeah, it's really, really good. Imbroglio is what it's called. Or Imbroglio? I don't know how you pronounce that word. Michael Imbroglio. It's named after his friend. I am... <laughs> Broglio. Yeah, I'm excited to to dive into it at some point. Is there a PC version? There's not. Oh, but what I was going to say about the art, it it reminds me of, and I'll try to find this to put in the show notes. Do you remember Jim or Riff when I talked about that 
crazy board game that we played in Vegas a couple of years ago called The Mushroom Eaters. I remember that title. I don't remember anything about it. it I don't. There is a guy who makes these insane, complicated board games, and he does all the art for them, and the art kind of looks like like heavy metal pencil drawings on like a junior high notebook from the 80s. <laughs> and that is kind of what the art for Imbroglio reminds me of. It's not quite as like grimdark as that, but it's like, it's like pencil drawings basically um it's a really good game it's really good the the one if i had one complaint about it it is that it starts kind of slow like getting the first like 30 or 40 stars is really pretty easy and then the difficulty just dramatically ramps up after you've already been playing for several minutes hmm. um but there are probably decisions that I'm making that I don't realize I'm making during those times. Yeah. Like, know. is it possible to hang around in those levels for a while and just level up your stuff? Well, you can just not pick up the stars. Like, if you get a favorable... Conf if Like, a lot of it is if you get a board configuration that is favorable to leveling up a particular weapon, you might want to stick around there for a while to level that up. Like, if, if you can reliably, like... When this dude spawns in, I can usually make it over there and kill him in one hit and level up this weapon. Because if you don't need the healing, right? You, you gain this. You gain these like runes every time you level a weapon up. Like through every time you kill four things with a weapon, you get a rune. And the different characters have different things they can do with those runes. The the baseline guy can just spend two of them to heal one heart, which is almost in like that the value of that is almost entirely in letting you pass a turn without moving hmm. like the the um weight program in 868 hack which is like one of the most important like one of the what like, you have to change the like change the phase, phase between the you and the enemies yeah which you can also do like sometimes by hitting a star and changing the maze around which changes the distance right. of the shortest path between you and an enemy okay um do the different enemies have different like movement behaviors they don't they all just sort of move toward you and they randomly select for uh ambiguities in that and occasionally it spawns bosses um which are just harder. Some of the three of the four basic enemies damage your hearts and only one of them damages your diamonds, hmm. which is interesting. Um, yeah. I saw Michael and Diego talking on Twitter. Diego saying, did you ever consider changing, like increasing the monster frequency with kills or stars that you picked up rather than moves on the board? And Michael said specifically, that he didn't want to do that because he wanted there to be a penalty for dancing around waiting for the right die roll for a monster to move in a way that you could get around it to the place that you were mm -hmm. going to. Like, he, he did not want that to become, like, a required dominant strategy. Right. Which totally makes sense. Like, I mean, it, it, it makes sense from the perspective of somebody who has spent, like, a year thinking about this game. Like, yeah, it's really good. It's really like 
it has that perfect level of like complexity that reveals itself over time. Like you just are constantly just by learning about it, kind of leveling up your soul as you, uh, (laughs) as you like see what other people are doing and like figure out tricks. It's so good. Are we ready to talk about the assignment? Sure. No, Corey. All right. It is a puzzle game on iOS and Android that, uh, I don't know. You were looking, according to the leaderboards, almost no one is playing it. I I played it for, yeah, I played like the first two groups of levels. Yeah, I think I played the first four groups. It It is an extremely clever, extremely novel puzzle mechanic in a real, real bad presentation. Yeah. Yeah, when I... If if we hadn't verified that it was the right thing, when I started playing it on Android, I had assumed this was uh, someone's knockoff of a popular iPhone game. I I had a suspicion that the person that suggested it to us was the developer of it, because I can't imagine why it's this is just a weird, like, yeah. it's so low profile. It Or... Almost feels equivalent to me that this is just someone's favorite game, and it's and only they have ever played it. So it's a game with an audience of one, and this person really wants us to check it out. The copyright date on it is 2016, but if you told me that this was a Windows 3.1 game, I would totally believe you. Like everything about the aesthetic suggests like snood era Mm -hmm. of game. It's the the rules of it are super simple like a move is sliding a piece and a piece can capture a piece that is its color or a piece that is its shape and all of the puzzles are built up from that it has this what i think is like just a like a total like high five worthy conceit which is that the level select menu every time you yeah every time you pick That's a puzzle and beat it it this. turns into a piece and then the once you've turned all of the levels into pieces, the level selecting is a puzzle that you yeah. then solve to move on to the next one, which is just crazy clever. Yeah, I thought that was really elegant, and I was afraid that I was going to have to beat all those levels with a, finishing with a certain piece to create uh, a solvable. Yeah, wow. that w- yeah, that, that would, would be, be the witness level. Of yeah, playing. yeah, that. Yeah. I did I did think of that and wonder if that was coming later or if somebody just decided nope that would be way too hard. Yeah. That's sort of a good snowman style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Wait, is there something? Yeah, in, in uh, at the end of once you finish all the Spoilers. regular puzzles in a good snowman is hard to build. There are puzzles like that where you have to create snowmen in a certain place in those puzzles to solve meta puzzles. Hmm. You have to figure out, like, where are the different places I can create this snowman, and where... And which of these puzzles do I group together? Right. That's It's, like, it, it's complicated in multiple ways. God, that doesn't sound fun at all. It's, I mean, it's cool. If, you, if you're super into that... If you're super into solving the snowman-style Sokoban yeah, puzzles... I, I did one of those and was like, this is not for me. Hmm. Oh, I played that... Uh, 
I played the Wizard Jam game that was like changed the name to game or yeah. whatever, uh-huh. which is just like a real simple Sokoban thing where you had to just push the word, the letters G A M E onto the letters N A M E. It's pretty good. Just a puzzle script game. Jesus, the thing that Jake is working on for Wizard Jam is so great. I've not seen it. He, he, he showed us a video in the Slack, but you, you should just. That's so, it's amazing. I really want them to finish it and release it. It's so good. You should have them show it to you tomorrow. The uh, the the Wizard Jam stuff is is kind of impressive overall. Just all the listeners of Idle Thumbs are doing a game jam. I kind of think we should maybe just do that whole jam as an assignment at some point. Yeah. Okay. Just just play through as many as we can. Or, talk yeah, just about play them. a bunch each and bring. Yeah. yeah. Talk about the coolest stuff. I still really want to put on Finish Jam, the thing that I proposed on Twitter, which was just take a weekend, take a project on your hard drive that's like 70% done and oh. just finish it and release it. Yeah. But that last 10% is the, the second 90%, right? Like yeah. That's, that's the yeah. problem. Yeah, but, you know. Well, the the, the game jams are largely about cutting the features that you don't absolutely need anyway to finish right. the product. The difference is that you already know that the the project you're going to be working on is at least somewhat worth making. Yeah. I feel like that could get some traction if I knew where to tell anyone about it and uh-uh. if I was willing to actually promote it. I Really, I want somebody else to do it for me. Right. Here, why don't I do like 90% of the work in setting up this game jam, and then somebody else can finish the game jam for me. I, I think that's a really good well, idea. Why don't you do 90% of it and then leave the idea alone for a couple of years? On somebody's hard drive. On somebody's hard drive, yeah. 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 I have, like, quick basic games that are 70% done from various years in between when quick basic was a thing, and now... You load it up in DOSBox... Yeah, probably just still run QB.exe on modern Windows. Uh, Windows, since Windows 95, I think, Windows 95 will run DOS programs, but I think 64-bit versions of Windows won't, if I remember right. Oh, right, that's why they just can't port Space Cadet Pinball. (laughs) Right. Anyway, this assignment was... A good game. Yeah, it's it's neat. And I, I would like I would like if that guy polished it up. The level design is uh, kind of all over the place. I feel like because some levels it is extremely obvious which pieces like some pieces have to be moved onto. There's only one thing that can capture them, right? So you just do those things because that's going to have to happen at some point. Yeah, and then there are other levels where. Uh, kind of everything can capture everything else and those are the ones that are like ah oh, god what do i do first here to make this I work mean, this feels like a game that ha- was like just one person right sure. I mean, and so like there maybe wasn't a lot of qa or play testing done it's just it's weird that it is such a simple mechanic that you've never seen before i mean maybe like yeah, maybe yeah that's so rare and it's so rare that it's, that that mechanic be any good. Yeah, and this one I think is. 
Like, I don't know how deep it is, but it's like, you know, you could certainly sell a game with a few hundred puzzles that use this mechanic, and that would be a real game, which is impressive for something like, you know, I don't know, just like... Yeah, I also want to point out that, like, we were talking about how it might be the developer who submitted this assignment to us. I don't think any of us has a problem with no, that. No, no, not, not at all. a little bit. Yeah. It's uh, been nice, actually, doing these listener-suggested assignments because we haven't had to decide what assignments to do. Right. Although we've been doing the ones that we kind of wanted to play anyway. So uh, this was the first one that was just like, eh, whatever, we'll just do this one. Um, not knowing anything about it. But... um yeah, I forgot to mention that this episode was brought to you by uh, the generous support of our Patreon backers, uh, like all episodes of Video Games Hot Dog. It's uh, super great. Super great. Super great box. I can feel myself... And I mean, I knew this would happen, but it's still surprising because I don't... Like, I understand the ways in which I can manipulate myself, but I don't like doing it you know like i can just feel myself taking it more seriously like i feel more of an obligation to edit and publish Mm. these things than i would before just because i know that like people are paying for it and it's like like the patreon has absolutely achieved what i hoped that it would achieve here's another thing that it does i'm gonna be traveling a little bit in the summer and you guys are gonna have to do some episodes without me that's fucked up and it's gonna be great i'm up for it Let's do it. We can do it right now. Zach, get out. <laughs> right. I, we totally handled. Like he left the room to go to the bathroom. Like we had, we had, a, we had an adult conversation and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did it. Uh, Riff, we did it, guys. What is our assignment? Our assignment is. I have to sort of. I can't both talk into the microphone and look at my computer at the same time. Um, our assignment is anatomy. Uh, which you can find on uh, kittyhorrorshow.itch.io slash anatomy. And it is apparently an extremely scary uh, haunted house type game, um, which is, I admit, a weird thing for me to have suggested because I'm terrible with horror games. But apparently it is it, it, it is extremely... Uh, Extremely scary without having any jump scares, mm. which is like 70% of what I don't like about horror games. And just the the descriptions I've read about what it is seemed very interesting. Um, it's a thing, it's like three bucks, it, it runs on Mac, Windows, Linux, and apparently it takes about a half an hour for a playthrough, but you have to play through it like four times to see everything, because every every additional time you play stuff changes and goes goes more to hell until you eventually get the real ending. Have you seen screenshots of this thing? Do you know what the presentation is like? Not really. The screenshots I've seen are kind of rough. It, it apparently has something to do with sort of the aesthetic of looking at something through, or looking at something that was filmed on a, on a cruddy uh, videotape. Okay. And, and that that degradation of the tape is part of what is one of the things that changes with subsequent playthroughs. Like the game gets worse and worse and, and glitchier visually as, as you go through it. 
I like that. Um, the storyline apparently has something to do with uh, comparing a house and the rooms in a house to the different organs in a body. Uh, but that's all I know. Sounds promising. Yeah, could be could be real interesting. It could be something that I just am not able to play past the first ten minutes. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not always a big uh, horror fan. So this will be this will be an experiment. <laughs> Have we done a horror assignment before? Nisha was the yeah, assignment. Nisha. How'd you guys do? I think we did okay. Okay, I got as far as the sewer, I think. Is that like a third of the way through? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to that conversation. Cool. Zach can come back whenever he wants. Zach, come (laughs) back to us. I wanted you to finish out the show on your own. Kevin and I finished Amnesia. Yeah. The ending was real stupid. Eh. Did you finish Amnesia, Jim? Yeah, I did. I, th- I tried all the different endings. They were all kind of equally... Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 243 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, you know, you can show up or not. <laughs> <laughs> Just be excellent to each other. <laughs> uh, good night. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> good night. Wait, so but why are toasters always vertical then? Like, why don't we have, like... So that when they violently eject, the bread stays inside them? I mean, the toast stays but inside them? But that seems them. like then they're not really violently ejecting. Well, they're just sort of, like, no, su- no suggesting. It's, it's more straight like up. suggestion yeah, instead it's of just ejection. like, oh, you leave if you want toast. I don't care. Uh, Stick around, get burnt. Well, why not just put, like, a plate in front of it, and it could be, like, a toast extruder? That sounds really good. Yeah. It's still just toast, Riff. Like it Yeah, but I really I really like toast. <laughs>